Mike Faber says 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 Welcome to episode 35 35. Welcome to episode 35 of Mike Paper Scissors. Today, who's here? It's Crip and LJ today. That's it. Creamy thinks he's grown and doing other things. He'll he'll be back next time. So it's just the two of us. We're going to hold it down. Where's he at? Georgia? I don't know. He be globe trying. I believe he's in Georgia. <laughs> he thinks he's grown. He's this is bougie. showing off. Bougie ass. <laughs> so <laughs> it's the two of us. Just on the off chance that this is your first time ever tuning in to Mike Paper Scissors, we are um, a group of people just um, really committed to uplifting black people, um, sharing stories and information and just um, energizing each other. So that's what we're about. Would you add more to that? Would you agree? We Does that sound true? We are disseminators of black culture. Absolutely. We, we celebrate all things black. And um, so that's that's what this is about. So stay tuned. We, we got more for you. So we have a few things to talk about today. A couple things interesting. Um, let's talk a little bit about Jamel Hill. So for those of you who don't know, um, Jamel Hill, if that name's not familiar with you, she is a journalist who had a, a pretty strong career with ESPN for a little while until, um, what what exactly was her, her, she, her she crime, quote-unquote crime? She called Donnie a white supremacist, racist. She called that dude sitting in the White House a white supremacist racist. So... She what? got suspended at first. She got suspended at first. It kind of dragged it out. And she was she asked to leave or she left? What, what, was she did was she was she fired or did she leave? Don't get me lying. I think she left. Okay. And I think she went to the Atlantic. Okay. So just just to give you a little background, she's a black woman. She's a journalist. She covered sports for many years in ESPN. She made a comment about Donald Trump being a racist and white supremacist, and she was let go. So. One of the interesting things that happens when black people express disdain for racist, bigoted behavior is this weird thing happens, and it's kind of like this reverse attack. Like, you become identified as the racist for talking about someone being racist to you. It's like this bizarre... <laughs> it's weird, yes, right? like It's so weird. <laughs> It's so weird. It's like, I know you are, but what am I? No, it don't work that way. It doesn't flip. But this is really, it's really, it's, 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 to me, it's tremendous gaslighting. Like gaslighting is this term we've, that is kind of resurfaced over the past couple of years where somebody tries to behave like what you're feeling, what you're recognizing, what you're knowing, what you saw with your own eyes is, is not real. It's imaginary and, and tries to paint you as a demon. This happens a lot. So um, just that's some background on Jamel Hill. So recently she published an article with The Atlantic and the, the title of the article is It's Time for Black Athletes to Leave White Colleges. Right. Oh, totally agree. And, and so she, in the article, she goes on to state with facts um, the, the number of black athletes that attend um, predominantly white institutions and, and especially what that does financially for those institutions and the difference um, the difference in numbers and money at black colleges. So one thing about um, HBCU, I do feel like 
it's it's one of our best kept secrets. You, um, you being a product I, of the I'm HBCU. a product, and I'm I'm a double product. So not only did I attend Morgan State University in Baltimore, Maryland, along with my sister, but that's where my parents met. They also went to Morgan State University in Baltimore, Maryland, home of the Bears. Hey. <laughs> And so my parents attended Morgan. So had they not gone there, they wouldn't have met. I wouldn't even be born. So I'm a, I'm a true product of an HBCU. It, it was, I was started attending homecomings as, as a little girl. And so the, the richness of, of being, getting a formal education in a space where you can remove, you can remove racism for four years of your life. It's actually an amazing opportunity to develop and grow without the, the, the pressures of, of adjusting, of assimilating, of navigating white folks where you are the majority. And now you can just learn. You're loved. My 8 o'clock um, professor, Dr. Coleman, English 101, she said, I love you and I mean it to our class. And I had never in my life experienced that kind of connection in such a big room. So I could talk all day. About the value. That's my of, one regret in life. I didn't go to HBCU. Yeah. He states regrets like he can't still go. So I'm one of those people to be like, if you are still kicking and breathing, you still have a time to do that. But we could talk about that another day. So the, the point is, in this article, Jamel Hill is saying, what about um, if black folks took their black talent to historically black colleges? Well, honey, white folks got upset. They got upset. They're calling her a racist. They're calling her a segregationist. They are really attacking her. So just just some numbers to give you an idea. So um, the NCAA reported $1.1 billion. That's what a B. B, (laughs) as in Beyonce, in revenue for its 2017 fiscal year, right? Most of that money comes from Division I men's basketball, okay? Which is predominantly? Black, specifically. (laughs) 56% of basketball, college basketball, NCAA college basketball players are black. 56%. So um, more than half, for those of you doing that math. And so she was suggesting... Um, really, state, she's really just calling out numbers. Imagine the impact this would have on black colleges if these athletes took their talent um, to a black college. So the, the arguments were saying, well, we wouldn't be able to get... Th- there is this uh, myth that a, you, what you can get at a predominantly white institution um, can't Compare. You can't compare what you can get at a PWI to an HBCU. I'm, I'm going to abbreviate. Hopefully, you're following. Um, and to me, it, it's it's a myth. I've I've done both. I I also attended a white institution a little later. Um, but there's this idea that a white institution is better. So if you want to have the best experience or the greatest chance of being a professional, then then you can't make that happen at an HBCU. Number one, that is a lie. Number two, um, some other numbers of professionals. So Alabama, the University of Alabama, their sports department generated $174 million in the 16-17 season. 
whereas HBCU Prairie View A&M brought in only $18 million. And And he's stating Prairie View specifically because that was the most money in athletics at an HBCU. So $18 million was the highest. That's peanuts. In, in comparison. And so the idea is, is the idea, the idea, so Crip uh, and I are, are in support of this. We're like, send your, send your children to an HBCU. I feel like in this climate, in this space, they are likely to have educators who um, see them for all that they can be, who are uh, emotionally and spiritually invested in their success, not just the school success. You're just not cattle brought in to go yeah. play sports. You're, you're brought in to go play sports. Because when you go to a PWI, that's what you're brought in for. Yeah. You're brought in, okay, we've seen you play ball. Yeah. That's what we want you for. Yeah. And guess what? You're bringing in the audience. It's you, the talent. It's not the school. It's the talent. They're coming to see you play. You think those people won't go see you play at Morgan? You think they won't come see you dunk at Howard? Do you think they won't go see you play at Hampton? You're wrong. They're coming because they're coming for you. You are the talent. It's not the school. It's it's the individual. It's the athletes. This would have to be a concerted effort. It would have to be a shift in values and culture. Um, yes, yes. And, and I think it would take more than just us saying about it. It's really a switch. I think it's disappointing when somebody says something in support of Black people's success. Because basically what she's saying, hey, you know, black athletes supported black colleges. Black colleges would see a rise in everything. They would get TV time. We would get TV money. time. You think you think your son won't play? <laughs> right. on, it won't be on television if he goes to a... Um, if, if, his, if the starting five of whatever team wins the national... What's the, the high school championship? Whatever. Whatever whatever it's that starting five is. If they all decided to attend HBCUs, do you think they still won't go to the NBA? They will. Yes, you, they will. You think they still won't go to the <clears throat> NFL? Yes, they will. And while they're in college, they will get loved on. They will get loved on. They'll get supported. They'll get celebrated. They will still be stars. And all of those people who run to see them play, they'll come see them play Um uh, but uh, in the uh, eyes of the NCAA, they would see a rise in enrollment in, absolutely. in black colleges. Because that's they, attractive. Then they would have to turn around and uh, the endorsement deals, the commercials, the merchandising. Because, you know, you would go to the store. You only see, like, you know, your Dukes, your Clemsons. Right. In the stores. But, right. You, you only going to find a Morgan State jersey right. at Morgan State's <laughs> bookstore. Right. right. <laughs> you ain't seeing that in the store. So I made a conscious decision that I'm only going to wear, if I have to order it, I'm only going to wear HBCU t-shirts, sweatshirts. Yeah. I think that it's it's worthy. I think what we just need to do is is stop pretending that HBCU cannot offer. It doesn't have something beautiful to offer. Um, do you think it gets a bad rap? I don't think it's a bad rap, but I think it gets... Um, regarded as something secondary. And so one of the things that people forget is lots of our talent um, has come out of HBCUs. I think 80% of black judges produce have produced 80% of black judges. HBCUs produce 80% of black judges, 50% of black lawyers, 50% of black doc- doctors, 40% of black engineers, 40% of black members of college, colleges, con- black members of Congress, 
And 13% of black CEOs in America today attended an HBCU. It's not nothing. And also, one of the um, candidates running for president, you may or may not have heard of her. She goes by the name of... Kamala Harris. Uh Uh-huh. Attended Howard University, right? And so let's not act like you cannot get a supreme education um, and a beautiful, rich experience that you will remember and value for the rest of your life. And I'm not saying HBCUs don't have their challenges like any any other institution, but most of the challenges um, are generally financial, and the the sports could really make the difference. That could be the oh, buffer. Sports would it would be a game changer. Yeah. It'd be and, a game changer. And you always know when you've stumbled onto some truth when you start being attacked. They have come for Jamel Hill's head. Like she's being dragged. They're calling her racist. It's such a, to me. It's such gaslighting, right? You, you, you know when you hit, when you when you start messing. I, I tell y'all when y'all start messing with that white dollar. Yeah, the ears perk up. It hit a nerve. She done hit a nerve. So I think one of the things is really to start selling. I think people who've attended HBCUs really talk to these athletes, take them on tours, and show them other values. Yes, it, it would take time for this to turn around, but I really think it's possible. But it's getting people to buy into the fact that we you can buy black not just to support um black folk not just to to say you're doing it but it it would have a positive impact on you so i'm with it i love it i think it would be um i think it would be a beautiful thing and once upon a time that's what it looked like so once upon a time we weren't welcomed in these spaces it wasn't until they started to say, oh, but did you see how that, how fast that boy ran? Well, let's not forget two yeah. things. Let's not forget why HBCUs were started in the first place. Yes, why? Tell them. Because uh, the black man was not allowed to uh, enter the doors of a, a PWI. Yeah, so, so there are spaces we were not welcomed in. And so now, um, so these spaces, so, so the, the idea of segregation... Um, like deliberately putting yourself in places where, where you're insulated and protected and surrounded by people who um, look like you, who share a culture, who, who share a history, um, who share values such as yours, where you're not going to be othered um, for, for your skin and your heritage. There, there is something of value of that. I think originally the, most of the problems with segregation were it was separate but unequal. You know, we throw mm-hmm. we throw black people over here and give black folks the scraps and the trash, and um, so it's it's. And let's not also forget how many white students apply to these HBCUs yearly. Yeah. So so one of the things somebody said all black colleges. There's no such thing as an all black college. It's historically black. That means they were created with black people in mind because we weren't permitted in these other spaces. White folks know it too. You think they aren't grabbing up engineering degrees at Morgan State University? <laughs> exactly. Morgan's University uh, educa- uh, engineering program teaches other schools how to run their engineering programs. So I, when you were there, did you see have a quite a few of uh, white kids when you were there? Yeah, yeah, white kids, Asian kids, um, and students from from other countries, like international students. So it was mostly black. So it was not unusual to be in a classroom and be surrounded by black people, which was a marvelous experience for someone who and was growing up. While we're on that topic, real yeah. quick, I do want to shout out. Uh, I can't remember which HBCUs it were, but some of them have this, have said they would take students from the Bahamas uh, and let them enroll in their schools while Bahamas is going through 
oh, yeah. their cleanup process from uh, Dorian. Yeah, thoughts and prayers sound so weak and corny, but I, it, the Bahamas is underwater. So if you haven't been paying attention last week, that Dorian just sat and just kept rotating, rotating, rotating on on um, toward the Bahamas, toward up. Bahamas up. Um, and so, you know, there there are lots of initiatives going around to to send support, relief, money, things, and and probably a lot of just helping people get out of there um, because it, it's. So I want to shout out to those it. HBCUs so she, that. Uh, I said, come on over. That's it. Got I got you. you. That's love. That's love. So if you're if you're raising um, a, a black athlete and you're starting to think of their future, give some serious thought to um, sending them to an HBCU. Right. Just, go, don't, go just a, don't throw them away like HBCU isn't going to give yeah. you the same education. I, yo, I had this, it's so funny, I had this, this one, I wish I could remember who it was. There was a woman on my Facebook whose son was attending a college um, tour and she was expressing her frustration about not seeing any black people. I said, well, have you ever thought about it, sending them to a, an HBCU? You wouldn't even have this conversation. And she went on to defend her choice. I said, yeah, it's just bizarre that you would complain about not seeing black people in a place where there's not very many black people. <laughs> like, what are, you, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, you're not going to see many black people there and, unless you go somewhere different. So we, we, now we have options and choices. And um, so think, think about that. I'm, I'm, I'm a supporter of Jamel Hill. I am in complete agreement. I, I'm, I'm also one of those people, whenever I can, I, I buy black. I invest black. That doesn't mean Absolutely. that's the only place who gets my dollars, the people who, you know, but I, I, I'm I, all for it. It, it is my prayer that my, my And for the ones that are calling her racist and um, segregationist, shut the hell up. I mean, it's, to me, it's it's so backwards. It, it just, to me, it's a way to shut down the conversation and to dismiss um, what she's saying. But that's how you know she hit a nerve because, yeah. oh, how they would feel it. Should black students start saying, but what's the black population like? And how will you support uh, me if, if someone mistreats me? And how do you manage microaggressions? And how will you treat my mother? And what will, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What, what will my connections, what do you, how do you invest in a black student union? And how many of my educators are Trump supporters, right? Like what, what is it, what will this look like um, for me? And, I, and I'm bringing you millions. That means, so tell your superstar student that millions and millions of dollars follows him. Wherever he goes, the money's going. He's and I, the talent. And you get to see these HBCUs on mainstream television Absolutely. networks, CBS, NBC. We can do it. Whatever we have to do to start a movement, we'll be talking about black colleges uh, more and more. Um, and speaking of sports, that brings us into the shift. You know, we can talk from college to. But before we do that, oh, before shift, we do that, yes, I got you know I got my Black History moment. Come on with your Black That's History. What we do. Learn us something. So we're gonna talk about Mr. W. E. B. Du Bois, the William man. Edward Burghardt, born in Great Barrington, Mass, in 1868. He was the first Black person to receive a PhD from Harvard. Uh and he, you know, he's the author of some great books, Philadelphia Negro, Souls of Black Folks. Not to mention, he was one of the co-founders of the NAACP in 1909. So the man did a lot of work, and he, he lived to the ripe old age of 95, that in 1963. So that's beautiful. So um, I'm sure you're familiar with the name 
And it's just, it's just a, a reminder. Like he died in 1963. Like this stuff was the other day, you know, like the, the things we are still, we're still overcoming and we're still, <laughs> we're still recovering um, from, from the trauma of, of being, um, of, of oppression. And so this is one of the... Being the first to receive a PhD from Harvard. Being the first. And we just talked about HBCUs. We just talked about HBCUs, right? Right. So that it makes Harvard look good. But it's just one, just, you just wonder how many other talented people did not have the opportunity couldn't grow, couldn't learn. So right. it's it, it you know we celebrate W.E.B. Du Bois and, and we honor his legacy. Read his books, tell us some favorite quotes, share things with us. Thank you for that tell moment. You, tell your kids about them. Tell your children. That's why we do the Black History Moment. So you can tell your kids. Tell your kids. So, so your, your next, what were you saying? Uh, I want to go from the uh, college sports to to NFL to... Let's talk about um, this Jay-Z collab that we were kind of sitting and waiting to see how we felt about oh, it. Oh, where his um, Inspire Change uh, initiative has, uh, has, 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 has people ready to throw them away. Yeah. Some not like us. You know, we're not commenting yet. We're just, you know, we're just going to ride this and see where it's going. But some have thrown them away. Some... Support him, so he's all over the place. Yeah, I think um, I'm I'm not huge on cancel culture. I'm not opposed to it. I think it, it can be a necessary vice. Like you get shunned um, for making mistakes. We know Jay Z just reminded us with this collab that he is a capitalist. He is about them dollars. I I do exactly. think <laughs> I do think I do think he has a heart for black people, but black People are not necessarily his highest value based on what we've seen so far. So so for me, I was I was one of those people saying, well, let's see what he does, because he has done some um, he's done some um, measurable things that black people have benefited from. And I, I won't run you the list. Maybe I'll share it on our, our page. So he, he's done enough to to give to buy me a moment of let's see because it it sounded funky. I'm honestly. with you on that. You know, like he's done more than enough. Where I I can't throw him away. I have to just yeah. sit back and okay, I, let me see I what this brother's away. gonna do. But to to add to the fishiness, so part of his collab um, with the NFL, there we've discovered that there's money. Um, uh, support being lent to this specific organization. What is it? Two, the Crushers? two of them. One two is the them. Crushers Club. The I Crusher. can't think of the name of the other one. So they did a free concert in Chicago a few days ago. It was uh, mm-hmm. Meek, Rhapsody, and the other person. I'm not sure of who she is. And that was in connection with the Crushers Club? Well, part of his organization um I guess they're starting in Chicago, so they do a free concert in Chicago. He has $400,000 that they're donating between these two clubs. Okay. And the Crushers Club um, had a little issue. Yeah. So it's it's a Chicago-based youth, or, youth organization, um, and some, some pictures um, surfaced from about three years ago, and it was... Uh, the photo is a white woman c- 
cutting off the dreadlocks of a black boy. And um, the, the, the statement is that it's, it's when these young um, men want to change their lives. This is symbolic of moving in this direction. The optics of that picture were... is wild. Yes, wild. The optics look crazy. So This, this white woman cutting on this. Yeah, picture a blonde white lady smiling, holding the scissors over black boy's head, cutting off his locks, saying he's ready to start a new life. Now, let me tell you, let me tell y'all. Let me tell you, I don't know if you know, know me. Um, for those of you who know me, um, for, for many years, about 17 years, I had locks. Um, they're really probably a part of my visual identity, I think, for a lot of people. Was, they're still pretty deserved. If you've seen me lately, you know I'm pretty close to bald-headed. I have a pretty tight fave, thanks, fade, thanks to my, <laughs> my, 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 my talented barber. Um, but uh, locks are, are something for me that was um, very personal. It's about the, the blackest hairstyle <laughs> you, can, you can wear. It, it's kind of, it's basically what your hair does naturally if you just let it be. Like it's one just of the walk, main you know, identities of black culture. Oh, it's, it's so black. And so um, for me, cutting it off, for me, it was just time for a change. I felt like I was in a new season of life. So cutting off your locks is not necessarily an attempt to join into, to, to shift a beauty standard or, or to enter white world. That's not necessarily what it means when a person decides to cut their locks. However, a white lady cutting a black boy's hair, stating it's symbolic of him moving in a new direction, it kind of makes it seem like... That's bothersome in yo, several ways. That was... So what are you trying to say? Yeah. What is? What does this mean here? It's possible the boy was just ready to cut his hair, and she said, "Can I do it?" And they took a picture and posted. Well, he—that's what you know. I saw the video with him. He came and said, "That's what he wanted to do." Mm-hmm. <sighs> Granted, it's funky. I mean, it's, it's cool if that's what you want to do, but still, the optics of that picture, right? Mm. And so that picture, and the woman has quoted. She's defended it. She said she's cut lots of boys' locks off, and she also made one of those statements saying she doesn't see race or color. So let me tell y'all. As soon as there are a couple things that people can say that make me dismiss anything else they have to say. So if you ever say to me, I don't see color and you are not legally and certifiably blind, I'm no longer interested in any other words that come out of your mouth. Because if you're saying you can't see color, it means you refuse to identify people who are different than you. You're not acknowledging (laughs) that blackness is something real. God created us. If you believe in God, I believe in God. God created us all to be different. We're all supposed to be who we are. And people who pretend they can't see your differences cannot acknowledge um, your unique unique experience. And it's usually ignoring any kind of pain, suffering, oppression you're experiencing. So I don't see color as like kind of a cop-out to not have to deal with... with, with, um, Can I I throw another one in here, please? Yeah. For my white people, please do not, do not go to a black person and say... How much you despise, don't like racism. Do not tell us you don't like racism. Yeah. Go tell a whole group of white folks <laughs> in your church, school, whatever organization. Tell them. Don't come to a black person and tell them how much you don't like racism. All right. Because I don't care. 
I don't care. I'm not impressed. And I probably don't believe you. Cause because honestly, it's if if you are really, if you're if you want to sit in the position of ally, because there's a difference between just wanting black people to like you back and difference between really um being outraged at, at the injustice that, that we experience. And as a white person, you are in the position of, of connection. You can speak to your community um, about um, inequality and inequity and, you know, violence. You could talk, talk to them. Don't tell Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Don't tell me you don't like racism. I don't care. I, I really don't. <laughs> right. I'm not moved. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a hard blank stare. You shouldn't like racism. That's dumb. And that kind of goes in with that comment you just said with the lady said, I don't see color. I don't see color. Right. Who are you talking to? Why don't you see color? Can you see gender? Can you see species? How do you know you're talking to a human being and not a wild animal? What are, what other limitations do you have? I don't like it. I don't respect it. I don't think it's cute or smart or innovative. I think it's um, soft racism. And I call it soft racism because I, I identify this as like people who would never use the word nigger and... Maybe they think the Ku Klux Klan is just abhorrent, um, but they still hold um, racist ideas and believe black people are inferior and want to touch black lives to get them to be more like white people. And so I don't rock with that. I don't think it's cool. I don't think it's cute. If a white lady cut my son's hair, you would see a different version of <laughs> You would see... Whoa. You would see a different version of me, and so um, you would so lose I, it. You would lose it. I, I would lose it. I, I would be. I would be hurt and offended and outraged, and I, I would probably have real violent thoughts. Like y'all would have to help me. Y'all would have to help me out. So, so to me, to each his own. I'm not mad that the boy chose to cut his hair. So I, I just want to really clarify. I'm not mad that the boy chose to cut his hair. I am annoyed that this was presented as if this was something that's going to get him closer to to a, a freer life. Like his, his hair is holding him in bondage, and it's connected to right. to violence and like, negativity. So what, you, what, when like, it's, what are you trying to say about our yeah? Our, when it's our, our it's dress. just it's I think locks are are so black and so regal and 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 just electric. Their antenna it, it's it, it's just a a, a beautiful. Uh, Connection um, to have to to decide to lock your hair. It is okay if you cut your hair. The optics of this white woman, and so connected to that, when we think of Jay Z's organization donating money that's going to benefit this organization that's cutting off black boys' hair, it's almost like an organization that's trying to to wash the blackness off of black kids. This is just one photo. I honestly don't know what else they do. Perhaps they're providing safe environments for them. Perhaps they're getting healthy meals. Perhaps there's places where they're learning to love each other. But anything that looks like part of the 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 care is trying to um, water down their blackness, I don't like it. And for Jay-Z to be connected to it, it do I make know. my throat itch a little bit. So I, if anyone else has a, a different view or information on that, please share that with us because it's looking funky, um, Hove. I'm confused. <laughs> you can't. Your um, campaign's real sketchy. Yeah, right I know. Now. <laughs> you, I know you a businessman. I'm. I'm just curious. Um, I'm curious about what what the end game and, is. And while we're on that, cause I have a question. Yes. And um, I could be looking at this wrong. I could be. On. So you recall Jay Z saying, um, "We got to get past kneeling, right?" Yes. What did that mean? I 
sat back and I was like, him saying we got to get past kneeling, is is that like saying, okay, y'all got to get past the police shooting black people? The, well, that is how I received it. So get past, I, it just makes me like I'm more curious. Is he saying this is not effective or is he saying we have to get over it or is he saying we should do something different? Because to me, what it sounded like is we need to stop this little protest. Um, what? What is what? <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm with you, right? What? <laughs> like what? I just need clarification. Like I'm, I'm just getting more and more curious, sir. Like what? What does this mean? What? See, what? Is, yeah, Jay might have to do a whole nother, a whole nother interview on breaking down. The things he said. Yeah. And he may or may not. Um, Jay-Z's in the position where he don't really have to answer to a whole lot of people about anything. He's in he's in the position where he has real fuck you money. Like they talk about when you're in the position where you don't even need to worry about offending your supporters, like your base. You could you could offend your whole base. You're not going to lose. Like, you know, how that dude in the White House, mm-hmm. he called people's wives ugly. He offended every single person. He um, said, I like, could stand in the middle of Times Square and shoot somebody and not lose any yeah. supporters. And he was absolutely right. That was true and factual. And so he's in a place where he's been <clears> elevated <throat> so high, he has nothing to lose. He can go rogue and can't nobody do anything. Jay-Z is actually in a similar position. Financially, he is so safe that he does not need to sell enough. Like you can say, I'm boycotting Jay-Z. That's fine. It won't change his life. He'll still be a billionaire. He'll continue to make money because he, he's just made some decisions um, that, that help his life. So I'm really curious about his heart, what his values are. Um, so we've we got to be patient right now because, you know. Uh, yeah, let's see. I mean, what else can we do about it? But wait and see. Be patient. All right, are y'all still um, boycotting the NFL? I feel like y'all fell off. I have not watched the NFL. This is my third year. And did it feel like a tremendous sacrifice? Was that hard, a hard decision or an easy decision to make? In the beginning, it was hard. And I never, just for the record, I didn't break not one time. Didn't Three years, break didn't not break one not one time. It was hard in the beginning, but, but now it's, it's You got nothing. other things to do. <laughs> yeah, I got a whole lot of He's things busy. to do. He's so, busy. So I could say I'm boycotting, but I never watch in the first place. But I do have, a, I know a few brothers who are standing strong and, you know, standing by. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this is the funny thing about it. Mm-hmm. I I don't criticize or talk about anybody that continues to watch. That's that's your prerogative. Yeah. You can do it. I have no, But I will get attacked for standing by and not, I will catch flack for not watching. Which I don't understand. I don't understand that either. Because to me, what is the problem with um, how does it get in other people's way by you making a decision that, that's best for you? Like, it's crazy. Like, you ain't going to watch this good football game? I don't know. I, I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated. Well, I think people don't want to be alone in there. It's like if you decide to go vegan, people are like, you ain't eating ribs no more? You crazy? You know? You see, yeah. like when you, when you <laughs> You're decide, right. You're right. When you decide to do something that's better for you, it makes people look at themselves. This is my theory. I think it makes people look at themselves and feel a little uncomfortable. Like, well, I hope you don't think I'm going to just be eating cucumbers all day. Like, sorry, you know, do what you want. But, but obviously, the NFL took a little hit, but they're still kicking. Yeah, they are. They're still going to go. But I, I do think black people have a lot of untapped power when it, caught, when it comes to impacting change. I do think 
it would take some tremendous sacrifice from a lot of people who have a lot to lose. Like, you you don't have a lot to lose by not watching football. Mm-mm. I think it's part of the culture, so you lose maybe that connection, be able to participate in those conversations. I mean, my kids don't highlights on Center. Right, but it's not... Um, but if you're an athlete, if you are a football player and you're not taking a knee and you're not boycotting, you know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot to ask. So I, I don't know what the impact is. So I don't know if Jay-Z saying that was like, we got to get past kneeling. Is he seeing that is not working? Because kneeling was not about the flag. It was not about football. It was about police brutality. It was about people when all eyes are on them pausing to, to take a different posture because of of the the injustice that black people are experiencing at alarming rates that has not changed the kneeling hasn't changed but what, you know what would be interesting what was god forbid another incident happens where a white officer shoots a oh, it will. unarmed black man it will it will happen what will jay-z's response be right what you going to do I think we should ask him. Well, not only I, I feel very confident it will happen because it happens all the time because it's a part of um, police culture. Like this, this is kind of standard procedure that um, we are not treated um, with with delicacy. So We're not treated the same. Way. I saw much stuff come up now. I, I mean, I, I I can talk about it more now because I've listened. So I I heard Roger Goodell, who was the commissioner of the NFL, say that you know. He's listened to Jay and other players um, address their issues with this. I'm like, dude. He's listened to players address their issues with what? Police brutality? Yes. He's listened? Listened. Oh, he's listened. But my issue is... Bless his heart. My issue is Colin Kaepernick still still does not have a job. Yeah. He did get a settlement, though. Yeah, he got a settlement. Well, that was because, I mean, obviously the NFL was wrong. They knew what yeah. they were doing. So uh, the, my other thing is <clears throat> with, with the boycott, like what's connected? Like if if Cap had been offered a job, would the boycott end? I believe it would. Yeah. I think people just want to see him, you know, get a fair shot right. at, a, at a chance in the league right. again. I mean, he's young. He's only 30. Yeah. He still he's works out. He's, still he's in great out. shape. It's it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. I, don't I mean, deep down, I know it's not gonna happen. Yeah. Um, People are hoping, you know, Jay's gonna somehow miraculously. Well, that would be inter- pull him back that in. That would be interesting. But that should have been Jay's. Uh, that should have been his. Um, his uh, his card he put out of his pocket at the table. Right. Y'all want me involved? Yeah, I'll do that. Cap Bring did the him job in. first. That's what should have happened. And I want to see four white quarterbacks kneeling at the <laughs> I want to see, let, get Tom Brady to protest police brutality, and I'll come. That does also never You get happen. Tom Brady to protest police brutality, I'll watch football tomorrow. Oh, my God. He, just, just so you know, he won't never. That's a safe bet. I know. <laughs> but there are, a few, there are a few white players who do uh, support it, though. There are a few. They they all should honestly black players should be encouraged. It's honestly I I think when it when it comes to racism like black people opposing racism is yeah we we hate it. Um, it's it, it would be more impactful um, if white people did it. Yeah, go and, to your go to, so your, go to your homeboy. Anybody anybody <laughs> who calls himself a homeboy, anybody whose career is directly married to yours, um, should be as invested in your safety in the world as they are in their own. So my white friends, 
I got a challenge for you. I want you to go to your church. I want you to go to the next family outing event. And I want you to just talk about how much you dislike racism. Or, or even, you don't even have to make a speech, but call it out. When somebody um, um, says nigger, because I know they do. I know they do. When somebody says nigger, don't laugh. Call it out. Point it out. Make, make attention. It's like, what did you say? Why did you say that? Why do you think that's okay? What do you, how do you think that makes... Like, give, give them something. And then tell me about that. Don't tell me you hate racism. Tell me what you did right. to, to <laughs> right. shift racism. Right. I want we you to come to work and tell me... Tell Which, me what, what you the effects did, was after you said what you said. Was. Right. I don't care how you feel about racism. Nobody should like it. I want you to talk about when you've noticed it, when you pointed it out, when you did something to combat it. Because if all you're doing is telling me um, that's not really, it's not changing the world, it's not doing me any favors, I don't care. And I'm going to be annoyed. Um, so that, that's, that's what I got to say. <sighs> That's it. That's it. We're going to shut it down right there. We're going to shut it down. That'll do. Thank you for joining us, um, MPS, Mike Paper Scissors, um, available on all podcast forms. Clearly, if you're listening, you already know that. But have you liked us, rated us, and reviewed us? Have you done that? Please. Do you love and us? <laughs> for the ones who have listened to us on Anchor, you can leave a message and we can add it into the show. Ooh, they can so, leave us a voicemail? Yes, they can leave us a voicemail and we Ooh. can throw it into the show. So I didn't know... If Anybody knew that, but yes, for the Come ones that have talk anchor, to me. Yep. So that is great. So we could hear you, and then um, we could share that with the, so the any audience. Other topics they can throw it in. They can comment on this one. Ideas, and, feedback. You want to argue? You want to tell yep. me I'm wrong about something? And I won't I, believe you, but I'll listen. <laughs> <laughs> and we will put all your comments at, at the end, and you can hear all your rebuttals. Bra. Boom. Okay. We out. We're out. Bye.